Shadowy Global Events. And that's right here at RevolutionRadioFreedomSlips.com, Saturdays, midnight till 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Let the magic rise. to act as a sort of executive officer for the week. Yes. But all the decisions of that officer have to be ratified at a special bi-weekly meeting. Yes, I see. By a simple majority in the case of purely internal affairs. Be quiet. But by a two-thirds majority in the case of more... Be quiet. I order you to be quiet. Look, you stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look. It's just a flesh wound. I don't believe I'm seeing such a display of courage, skill, nerve, grace, and stupidity. I'll do you for that. What? Come here. What are you going to do? Bleed on me? I'm invincible. You're a loony. The Black Knight's always triumph. Roundtable Live, Monday through Friday, 1 a.m. till 4 a.m. Eastern Time. Bring your mind, bring your ideas, bring your voice. King Arthur had nothing on us. Here at Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. ADAPT 2030 Mini Ice Age Conversations covers changes in our climate due to a new and intensifying grand solar minimum. In the media, overlooking, downplaying, or burying cold weather changes occurring on our planet. This is in order to keep the global warming agenda steaming full speed ahead. I do this podcast and radio program because we need to begin conversations on how to adapt our food growing strategies long before 2030 as agricultural zones shift, affecting global crop output, but very few mainstream media outlets are talking about the most important issue of our time, cold weather crop losses. Our sun is going through a 400-year cycle, which has effects on our weather patterns as our magnetosphere weakens and the jet streams go out of flow. It's not CO2, it's not you, it's the sun. Are you ready to thrive in the grand solar minimum? Then join me for many Ice Age Conversations. I'm your host, David Dubine, creator of the Adapt 2030 Mini Ice Age 2015 to 2035 video series. And welcome, Bitcoin Truth Seekers. Tonight, I have with me Craig Simpson from Radiant Creators. A lot of positive feedback about our conversations. And as we move through, it's going to be a positive, hopeful show about the changes coming on the solstice this year. The 21st of December 2020 marks so many cycles overlapping. If you were to take off the back of a Swiss watch and look inside, you would see how many gears that overlap. Well, the 21st of December 2020 here at the solstice is just like the back after you remove and take a look into the deep gears of time, space, and cosmology. What we see on the planet right now with all of this chaos and duress and torture of the human spirit we can undo that in a flick of a blink of an eye here coming up. And I think that's the reason that we're being kept six feet apart, because our bioresonance field would become so 
entrenched, so heavy, so powerful as a force of the human spirit, the human species, that it can override these elite in about a fifth of an eighth of a second, and they would lose their power. So in order for these elite to try to keep their power, they're going to have to try to ride on top of a natural cycle and prevent us from coming together to use our power. So what's going to overlap on the 21st here, you might ask? The solstice itself is a powerful time, and it's been marked through antiquity. If you look around the planet, how many ancient sites are there that are marking the solstice, either the winter solstice or the summer solstice? Thousands. And there are, everywhere you look, across all continents and all centuries and all time, they are marking these days. It's so powerful. But then when we look at the shift from earth into air, talking about astrology, and how these signs, moving from a denser medium into a heavier, faster medium, cryptocurrency would be an example of something moving faster. But then at the same time, we're coming into the very first minute of the first degree of Aquarius transiting in now that 2160 degree, or year, excuse me, time period of this. We're entering in that 26,000 year loop of the Procession of the equinox, we're coming into this very first minute. So if you know anything about longitude, latitude, and and sailing and marking time and where you are on the meridians or wherever you might be at, this includes aircraft, that minute, that degree is broken down into 60 minutes. And we're in the very first second of the very first minute of the very first degree heading into Aquarius on a new 2,000-year cycle on top of the planet's Jupiter and Saturn conjuncting so closely that they haven't been this close since 1226 A.D. We're shifting of an age in not only the medium of our I say existence on the Earth here in our solar system from Earth to air, but then we're coming into Aquarius. Water, it flows. All of these energies are changing. Why do you think the Great Reset's here? You're, you're being forced to reset under a new set of rules that the elite are going to set up and then set you on top of because their pyramidal top-down structure is about to shatter. It can't exist. That was an old earth heaviness set paradigm and set way of rulership over the planet. The elite took that. Well, as we move into this new energy, that structure is not going to exist any longer. It can't hold state. So instead of letting things organically arise and elite losing their power, they're saying, all right, the new system's coming, the new vibration's here, and we're going to set the new rules, and you're going to have to exist in our new rules where we're still the leaders. So we're going to reset everything. You can't breathe, you can't come together, and you can't use your human energy to, to overthrow us, and then we're going to control how you move from this point forward. I say, no, no, no. We know what the dates are. We know what the times are. It's time for us to take our power back. Craig, thanks for joining me, and I know what you're talking about. Cryptocurrency is a part of this, the shift that we're seeing. Remember back in 2019, remember how, let's go back to October 2019. Can anybody remember that far back, how the world was? 22 countries in the world had mass protests of millions of people on the street demanding their governments remove central banking, that governments themselves change the structure of leadership and rulership over the people. 22 countries, millions and millions and millions of people every day on the streets, and then suddenly COVID came, boom, that just got washed away. Do you even remember that far back? That's such an ancient blip in history. I think that's not even a year. It's just barely a year. And I mean, people can't even remember that far back. They're so inundated by COVID. All I remember COVID, no, nobody ever organized back there. Like the organizational capabilities to overthrow governments has been totally forgotten. Now, just could tell, oh, yes, yes, yes. 
I'll wear my mask. Craig, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate you coming on again. Craig Simpson, Radiant Creators, also an incredible podcast. And, you know, Craig, I'd like to thank you for coming on. And you can explain what great value in the, in the leaders that you interview on how we can make our world a better place coming together as a resonance field human, loving human. Yeah, well, I can definitely say that the Great Reset is happening on a lot of levels. And crypto, since I do a lot of crypto stuff, that's one thing I do find. There's a great character. His name is, let me get it straight here. His name is uh, Michael Saylor. And he owns, uh, or he's the CEO, I guess, of MicroStrategies. And they are kind of a corporate intelligence company. And he said something great about crypto recently in an, in an interview, and it kind of matches the uh, Great Reset. Because I think the way that awakening humanity, uh, the sovereign individual, the spiritual warrior, you know, the powerful being, uh, the way they're dealing with the Great Reset is they're creating a parallel society, a parallel economy. Because you really can't fight the system with its own rules, you know? Um, it's a nice thought. You can write your congressman and your senator, and you can do those things. It doesn't hurt, but I think the uh, the deck is stacked against us there. But you can just stop being a part of their uh, framework, the matrix that they've created. And so central banking, banking itself, um, uh, the need to monitor every transaction, I think, is coming into people's consciousness right now. And they're realizing, oh, I, I, I could, I'll pull up the article later, but but uh, Muchin, that character, was talking about how we need to uh, monitor personal wallets. So if you have a personal crypto wallet, like a hardware wallet or a software wallet, you're not keeping it on an exchange. You have it like, offline on your own device. They want an ability to know your customer on all those. So he wants to push for legislation for that, which is really you know, pretty intense. Uh, and it, people are starting to wonder, they're going, well, wait a second, why, you know, why do you need to know everything I do? So we're in this time of a great, great reset where I think cryptocurrency plays a big role in it because it, people are becoming aware of things they never, they never were aware of. Most people just put their money in the bank and they went, this is good, right? My money's in the bank. That's where you put it. It's where you keep it. It's easier. I can use my debit card, et cetera, or my credit card. But now they're realizing, well, wait a second, I've got crypto so i gotta have my bitcoin that makes money or i could have it in stable coins making interest whatever and i can spend that card i can spend that crypto on a credit card a crypto credit card no one needs to know about it but then you've got um Muchin, Mnuchin, i think his name is saying that we need to do away with that that we need to be able to see every transaction you do and people are saying well, wait a second i knew my bank was always spying on me but i just figured that's the way it was but now i have uh, DeFi, as I say, you know, decentralized finance. Uh, the, there's a parallel economy and, and parallel financial services that are being created in spite of the Great Reset. And I think that's really one of the huge answers to a lot of our problems today is that you simply – I love that walk-away movement that that existed or still exists. And you just walk away like where a lot of you know, Democrats were walking away from the Republican – no, a lot of – yeah, Democrats were walking away from their party. It doesn't really matter. I'm not partisan in that way. But – there's that walk away movement, and they and they kind of got it right. They almost got it right. Where you know what? No, walk away from the whole damn system and walk into one that actually functions and is life giving and also is moral. Um, 
so that you have a currency that actually is real, like Bitcoin, a store of value that is real. You can say gold and silver are real too. Of course they are. But get into sovereign money and then all of a sudden you become healthier, you become wiser, you become uh, more hope for the world. That's something I'm seeing with the parallel uh, society, parallel economy that's being created in response to um, the Great Reset. Because they're going to do the Great Reset. That's going to happen, I think. There's not much you can do about it. But you can you can already have been ahead of the game because with the new Aquarian energy coming in, Aquarius is way slower than way way faster than slow moving Pisces. I mean that's so you have the Aquarian the Aquarian explosive energy, and it's just basically making a parallel reality, a parallel economy. And who cares about the Great Reset? Let it come. Um, those who are able to ride that Aquarian lightning bolt. They're already in crypto, or they're going to get in crypto, or they're going to be you know, buying metals. They're, we are very, very quickly building. I'm starting to get hopeful because I'm seeing this parallel society being made. It's kind of like a fringe dweller. You're in this, you know, the the uh, 3D world, if you want to call it that, of the central bankers of the Great Reset, or you can be like in the four or the 5D world of um, sovereign money. Uh, a, a moral way of doing business and making money. It's a wonderful time. And so uh, Michael Saylor, a very, uh, he's definitely invested very, very heavily into Bitcoin. Um, I think they put like 500 million plus of the company's capital into Bitcoin. And one of the reasons he's doing that is because, and others are doing it, other companies are beginning to follow this. And of course, also wealthy individuals because they know that if they're watching the dollar, dollar strength index and such, they're watching it. They know that if you just sit on your money, you're losing so much buying power every quarter, every day, every especially as we move into 2021. I mean, it's like what 23.6 percent of all dollars that exist were were printed in 2020. That's insane. Think about what that's done to the uh, uh, value of the dollar. And watching the dollar strength index every time that uh, you know money printing. Uh, uh, what they call it? not relief, but uh, bailouts, not bailouts, but uh, uh, stimulus, you know, is talked about. The dollar strength just goes down because some people might be excited, another having a hard time. But the thing is, that's it's just the, I have never in my lifetime. I'm only 50, and I've only been paying attention to it for a decade or two. But I mean, you look at it historically. The dollar strength is just—it's insane. We haven't seen this kind of craziness since the Great Depression. You know, um, if it wasn't for credit, I think that so many Americans would be so screwed right now. But the whole system is about to just grind to a damn stop. I mean, uh, if Biden wins, I know plenty of big players like like our common friend, uh, Bob Kudla, and many traders over there that trade with that group, uh, Trade Genius. Um, they, they all have their buys in. They, they are ready to short commercial real estate the second that guy gets confirmed because they know it's just going downhill so fast. So, like I say, it's a lot of rambling I just did, but the uh, I'm excited about the Great Reset because the Great Reset is forcing a parallel economy and a parallel society because something needs to exist while the other one disintegrates. And I think it it's... Um, and that disintegration is already happening. And so yeah, I just, I just would pass it back to you, but I'd say Michael Saylor, he had this great, uh, this great, po- uh, great podcast, great interview, and it was called Bitcoin is Hope. And something he said is this. He goes, 
Um, I think Bitcoin is a beautiful asset. You are defined by how you're going to allocate your energy and your life. What are your values? Think about that. What's important to you? And how are you, you know, investing your life's, your, your soul's energy into that? And he says, I only focus on what is beautiful or what I can make beautiful through some investment. And so there's so much beauty happening in the world. And I find that the parallel society and parallel economy that's being created in response to the Great Reset is really, really beautiful. And you can already see, and I feel bad for those who are not getting involved, but I see so many people who are right now, they're starting to dump good chunks of money into Bitcoin, into gold and silver, because they're, they see what the big money is doing. This is a unique time in history because now the little guy, like myself, can see what the big money is doing if they are cunning and they desire to know and look. And they can do what the big money is doing, and then they can weather this great reset because they'll be part of a parallel society and economy. They'll, we're we're going to sit there. Remember um, in that movie uh, Fight Club at the end where the buildings fall down and the uh, the two of them are sitting there watching? That's us, everybody. We're gonna, <laughs> we're going to watch this thing burn, but we're going to be fine. You know. Anyway, back to you, David. That's my initial rant. <laughs> And quite a good one to start us off. And into this parallel economy, you know, I'm living out and existing in two worlds at this now at this time. While I have my land, I've planted the four and a half acres of rye. I have a, a log home that we're refurbishing at the same time. So between me spending times down there and camping in my house, no kidding, I'm camping in my house. And then I come back to my sister's house in the suburbs or, you know, I go visit my parents and say, hey, can I crash for a few days because we're uh, we're sanding the walls right now and we're going to paint this weekend. Can I stay up here because the fumes, it's a little cold outside. I mean, I guess I could, you know, uh, stay on the on the porch or in the in the backyard there on my 20 plus acres, but it's chilly at night. It gets down in the 20s. But there's a couple of guys I know that are running a few restaurants in this little tiny town and, uh, you know, they knew I grew microgreens cause I, they knew my pod, my podcast and my YouTube channel and they're like, no way. And they're like, yeah, you grow those microgreens. I've seen your trays. And I said, yeah, you know what? I do grow those microgreens. And I go, but if you can give them to us. And I was like, yeah, of course, you know, I got trays as soon as I set up my racks there and I get all the grow lights on there, I will absolutely. And those are the, the all spectrum led grow lights from hidden harvest. And I know Craig that you use those cause you set up your own grow tubes and it's the solutions like this that are going to help each other get through. But when I said, yeah, I'll bring you a few trays by, and he's like, well, how much do you want for them? And I said, you know, I stopped thinking about money. I don't want to use money as a medium of exchange anymore. I'm beyond money. And he, he looked at me curiously for a second. He said, you know what? That's great. What do you want to trade for that instead of money? Because he, he clued onto it right away that I didn't want to trade paper for a thing and that I wanted to get something of equal value that they had in their coffee shop or restaurant. You know, it could be anything. Maybe they're growing something also that I could trade for that I, you know, can't grow myself or I can't find or, you know, like they have coffee beans and different kind of breads and foods and thing, whatever. I'm thinking of an equal exchange of my time and knowledge on how to grow that to the most beautiful, succulent, amazing, where you look at those trays of microgreens and go, that's, that's, wow, that's amazing. When you just run your hand over them and you can feel the nature, you can just feel the energy. 
because I like to, you know, talk to my plants, look at my plants, feel my plants and rub my hands over them, you know, and feel the growth on them. And, you know, touching and, and interacting with nature is such a beautiful thing. It's, you know, it's the only way I can really decompress. You know, I walk around barefoot in the yard when it's still in the 50s and 60s during the day, but it drops into the 20s at night. But after the, you know, it gets a little bit warm, you got that crispiness under your feet when it's got 50, 55 degrees on the grass, you know, it's been beaten down with the sun for a few hours. I love that decompression. And I love to touch the plants, too. It's, it's something about a, a way to decompress and really relieve that stress. So the more you interact with the plants, like the more you interact with your animals as well. You know, if you never touch your sheep or you never play with your goats, they're not going to know you. They're not going to play with They're not going to want to produce for you. That's the same thing. Whether it's an animal or whether it's a plant, if you interact with it, it's going to give you a better yield. It's going to... and the way you resonate with the plants is the way you give the value. And when people look at them, they go, that is the most energetic growth coming out of those trays. What did you do for that? You know, and then to trade that instead of money, you got to think beyond money. Like, what can I trade you? And this is the direction we should all think, that parallel economy. And the reason I bring the story up is everybody out in the countryside, A, does not want to interact in the new paradigm or whatever you want to call that new world that we're moving into. They don't want – they were out in the countryside long before I got there because they didn't want to interact with the world that we thought was the normal, stable world in 2017, 18. They wanted to get away from that. Now this whole COVID thing comes and they're like, yeah, well, the, the vaccination crews are going to go around and they're like, no, <laughs> we're going to create our own reality. We don't want your supermarkets. We don't need your COVID passport to go into your stores. We're not going to buy. We're going to trade amongst ourselves with thousands of people who lived in an area that has been inhabited for thousands and thousands of years of an agrarian society that lived and supported themselves with blacksmiths, these kind of things, natural herbalists, energy workers, farmers leather workers, Amish, Mennonites, and everybody in between, beekeepers, animal husbandry experts, those who have the machinery to plow and till and harvest your fields, the persons who have the dryers, the the co-op mentality of using your land into a greater good, because if I only have five acres, obviously I'm not going to buy you know an $80,000 tractor to come in and harvest four acres. That would be incredibly naive to do such a thing pay somebody a few hundred bucks to come in and do it and then say, yeah, you go dry it and then give me 80% back or 90% back. You can keep 10%. The way to use this instead, you know, cause for me, I could pay somebody or I can trade the grain for it. I mean, there's always these ways to trade instead of using money. And the more I'm starting to think on how to get outside the money thing here, the money exchange, and that's the parallel economy. Because if you think about the U S if you're in a small town, the big towns, like you'd reference, Craig, that, that real estate is going to collapse to zero because very few people are going to want to live in those big cities as the chaos unfolds for the next couple of years. Once it stabilizes and they get the chicken cages in order for people to move back in in the 5G grid and the you know 500-square-foot apartment for one person to live in, brand new, all painted, super nice, high-def TV there, whatever. People will love that, high-speed internet. A lot of people are going to gravitate towards that. All the more power to them. But the real money is moving money out to the real estate. Because if you go back 100 and 150 years, you can start to follow the rail tracks across the United States on how that was put out and where the main towns were for the rail stops and sort of the uh, county capitals. And where was it around your local area that was the main rail hub 100 years ago? 
These are the areas people are re-gravitating to because the rail tracks didn't get ripped up like the trolley lines in the cities. The rail tracks are still there. They expanded the gauge on them, of course. But the rail track that was there in 1900 is still there right now in 2020. There's very few that were ripped up. Like That's one thing, the magic about rail traffic is almost every rail line that was put in in the last 100, 120 years is still there in terms of major routes going along and regional traffic on you know, whatever. Uh, Buffett has bought, what, 80% of the rail lines across the United States and 80% of all rail traffic Warren Buffett now owns. Like, What did he know to go back and say, hey, wait a second, we're going to revert back to rail traffic. We're going to go back to a more agrarian rural society. And think about that. I want to take you back in time. People didn't use money as much back in 1900. People traded an enormous amount of stuff. If you can can goods, you can trade something canned. Like I'm, this is my first year getting into bee raising and getting hives out on my property. Three hives. I'm not going to start super giant, but three hives. So what can I trade for the wax that's coming out of that? What can I trade for the honey that's coming out of that? There's about 150 pounds of honey coming out. You know, what, what are those tradables on top of that that you would use for the wax or, or you know, somebody could make lip balm or, you know, something like this? The medicine from the honey being natural medicine plus a sweetener, burn relief. There's many things we can use honey for. But start to think outside the box of using a dollar for a dollar and think about what your value is, your skill that you could trade somebody for a physical thing. Instead of getting paper where you're going to run off and have to get a vaccine certificate to run into Sam's Club and get something, what about if you traded your time and then somebody gave you a chicken or they, you traded your time and they gave you eggs or they traded your time and they gave you hundreds of pounds of grain? And if you have your own grain mill where you can grind your own flour, then you're, you're taking it a step above. And you know I'm always about that self-sufficiency thing. Why don't you buy in bulk right now while you can? The only difference between buying a 50-pound bag of wheat seed or wheat berries, hard red winter wheat berries that you would plant in the ground for a farmer non-GMO – and you buying a bag of flour at the store is the machine in the middle that you can buy anywhere and grind your own flour. You can do it electronically, or I have the hand grinder right here, which I'm going to be doing a unboxing on. I just bought this thing here. Hold on a second. It's in my hands right here. It is called let – me, let me shake it for you. It's called the hand crank grain mill, and it actually is a hand grinder from Roots and Branches. No, I'm not getting paid by them. I'm just saying I did a lot of research and a lot of reviews. And this was for sure the best one, like thousands of people recommended this one as the best hand grinder for the amount of work you do for the output that you get. And it can grind like eight or nine types of different uh, grains. So if you go to a farmer's co-op, you can buy a 50-pound bag of hard red winter wheat. And if you grind it yourself, you got the flour. So Sam, there's so many ways to get outside this you know, squeeze of money that we're so used to is getting more self-sufficient, learning little tricks and learning how to trade. And then on top of that, if we go into the cryptocurrency sphere and, you know, Craig, one thing interesting, you know, I want to finish off with this. You mentioned that the, the cold wallets that they're going to want you to do KYC on the cold wallet. Or how could they possibly force like Trezor or Ledger to come in and say, well, you can't have your website on the net anymore unless you get KYC from everybody in history who's ever bought a Ledger or a Trezor wallet. Is, is that even possible? Is that really feasible? And then if you made a transaction, I mean, really, is that even possible that they could know who, what, where, when? Well, what I've heard from people is that 
Well, of course, let's look at Bitcoin specifically because it's not really a privacy coin. Um, it's it's private as in if you make a key, nobody knows a public-private key to transact with. Um, nobody knows who did that. But of course, from what I understand, and I can't, I don't have the facts to back this up, but I've been told that, um, you know, the intelligence agencies have been scanning that for quite a while. So they have it kind of figured out who who owns what anyway. So it's it's a little weird. It's that I think they already know. And there's some projects that that they've been using to do so, and I just don't have it all right in front of me. But that data has been mined for quite a while. So most likely the intelligence agencies already know what you've got uh, because they can just simply look at the transactions in the blockchain and they can see, you know, they can pretty much figure out who made a new address. So with that said, um, could they force Trezor, could they force um, Ledger to do so? Could they force Monarch? That's a very good a software wallet. Um, I think they can if the jurisdiction, if if that company is here in the U.S., but most of them are not already because we're too much of a pain in the ass. So most are in friendlier countries. It's hard because, you know, Bitcoin being kind of ubiquitous, it doesn't belong to anybody. So this is a real interesting time. I think we're going to see things get nasty. I really do because the, the uh, 3D economy, the 3D control structure you know, where money has basically been used as a weapon on the people's fiat currency, you know. Um, with that said, that system as it disintegrates because it's just time. I mean, it's happening. We're, we're watching it happen. Um, the parallel society, they don't like you leaving, you know. They don't want that to happen. So they're doing their best to regulate crypto to um, – I thought that that move to – get into everyone's private wallet. The thing is, you can just go, if you know how to do it, you don't even need a wallet. You can make, on the blockchain, um, you can download a node, as they say, a Bitcoin node. You can run it, and you can make your own public and private key all day long. You can, you, you can produce them, if you want. Um, you know, I don't even know how they would force people to do that. I actually think part of it is, I don't, I, I don't know if Muchin knows necessarily how it all works. He may or may not, but it's it's almost impossible technically to do. And I think that the Aquarian age that's we're moving into that, um, I just think that the parallel economy is too fast. Like, well, we're fast. We can change things in an instant. Like, if you want to hide your your Bitcoin. You say, I, I don't want people to see it. Um, you can put it on a hardware device. People can't really necessarily see it. If you don't want that, that address to be tied to you, you can push it into a privacy coin. I mean, people do all kinds of stuff to, I mean, I'm just saying for entertainment purposes only, I'm not, <laughs> here's one for you. I'm just saying that a person has got a lot of money can invest like, you know, 50 or a hundred grand into mining software and they can make themselves, they can mine back that money and totally untraceable uh, crypto, you know. So I just think that the crypto world is too fast, and I think that's just Moochin. It's just the the, 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 the current financial system just kind of starting to bare its teeth. I really think it's been – here's what I had to ask you is I just would make a, a quick answer and say I don't think they can technically, and I think that people would just move their money out of Bitcoin into something else. And hold it there. They'll just put it in a store of value, like a, a stable coin. 
they just cannot keep up. I do not think that the, that the uh, control structure can keep up. It's kind of like uh, in the Matrix where you've got Agent Smith going after Neo. You know, Agent Smith and all the other agents, they had to play by the rules, you know, where Neo didn't. And I think that the cryptocurrency world, the parallel economy itself um, that we're talking about, uh, banking without banks now, you know, loans against your own crypto, uh, interest being massive on stable coins, you can get 10, 13% yearly income paid, uh, a year, uh, 10, 13% APR on your stable coins, and that is uh, paid out weekly, you know, in, in, in those increments. So, I mean, I don't think Agent Smith can catch Neo. So I don't think that Moochin, I don't think that what they want to do can basically keep up with Neo because we don't have to play by the rules. We can simply make a slight adjustment and it screws their whole control structure up. They they, they just can't follow it. Um, and already we've seen some pushback. I'm not sure if it, if it was people in the Senate or the House. I forget which it was and who they were, but they've already sent a big letter and a lot of uh, people in our Congress basically are getting behind telling Mujin to go F off basically like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. So there's already, you know, a battle starting before that even really gets off the ground. But yeah, well, let me say, I, don't... I saw a couple, a few articles where the department of justice is now trying to say that you're not able to issue a new stable coin at all because they're so afraid that people are going to start putting and parking their money from the U S dollars into these stable coins and the die make or die would be a good one for me. Or if you're going to play out and you know think about different areas to put stable coins, are you you have USDC, which I think is going to be used. The circle stable coin I think will be used in North Africa as an exchange medium amongst all the North African and Sahel nations. Because right now, it's really difficult to trade any of the fiat. Because I mean, if you're over in Ghana or somewhere or in Mauritania, and then you bring a stack of money and you come into the Sudan, it's nigh impossible for you to change it. And if you do, it's going to be like a 25%, 30% exchange rate fee because nobody else wants to hold it either because things are really unstable. I know you got the you got the Central African, uh, the, what they call is the CAR, the Central African Reserve Currency there. I know that's set in Ghana, Togo, Benin, and they're running off. the. They used to be pegged to the French franc, but now they're pegged to the euro. But when you get to the more obscure countries and you start looking in there saying like, all right, Chad, and then you're going to run up to Egypt and try to change the dinar back and forth. All right, well – not going to work so well, but if you're going to really want to trade and get this whole North African block moving, you're going to need a stability coin, and they're already talking about USDC, which is Circle. But what is it with major banks and uh, international, again, police, state coming down on it, Department of Justice from whatever country, mainly the U.S. is the spearhead into this? You can't have any more stable coins unless they're approved by us first, you know. It always comes down to this. Again, a new money system evolves. Too much is leaking out of the sides, and they even feel that a tenth of a percent or a half a percent of leakage is way too much already because they already see it's just like that small boy who stuck the finger in the in the dike there. First, it was one finger. All right, we're going to try to plug up a tenth of a percent, a half a percent. Of, ooh, oh, there's another there's another uh, crack over there. Let's try to plug up that half percent. Over there. Oh, oh, wait a second. There's another one percent plug coming out. And as we move forward and people are getting more frustrated with the system, I mean, how long will it take before all the stimulus money when you go on to universal basic income is going to be plugged into crypto? Because people are pretty smart, right? You know, Maybe the governments take them for idiots, but if you're getting, let's say – $2,000 or let's say $1,500 per month as a universal basic income, 
and there's four of you living in a house and you got $6,000 coming in for a family, you could easily put $2,000 aside and then shoot it straight into crypto, right? And then people are like, hey, if we put $2,000 into uh, Digibyte, or we put $2,000 into uh, XYZ Monero, and you could go down the line of it. You know, over time, that's really going to pay off. So people leaving the system. I can tell you my personal story here. There's a personal story. So sit down and grab a glass, a glass of wine and get next to the fire for a intimate story here. I left the United States many years ago. And as I was trying to leave, everybody, I mean, everybody and their mother's uncle, including my parents and everybody, tried to talk me out of leaving the United States. Because I saw a greater possibility for success in Asia at the time. This is around the year 2000, 2001. I said, I see the transition happening, all the money. And like you're talking about how you could follow the money, the money trail is easier to follow now. Back then, it was easier to see where the massive inflows were and all the, where all the manufacturing was transiting to. You know, with NAFTA, it moved from the U.S. down to Mexico, but then quickly it moved from Mexico over to China and briefly Vietnam. And it started to trickle into Vietnam as an overflow. But I said, you know what? That's it. If the world's manufacturing is going to set up in China, then that's where you're going to want to be, over in Asia. So I started to set out there. And I'm sure the same people who got on wagon trains in 1845 said, I'm going to California to look for gold. I'm going to California to look for oil, whatever. They probably had the same pushback. And and the amount of people trying to drag you down like a great white shark grabbing your feet and pulling you into the depths to keep you into their misery and system is unbelievable. Because, oh, America is the best. Why would you want to leave America? And all these things that you keep hearing again and again and again. And then I, I, I've been living overseas for, what, 20 plus years. And then I had to come back for this COVID thing. And the reentry was like, you know, a space shuttle Reentry capsule coming in, super hot, flaring down, and then poosh, you pop out, and it's like you know you landed on a different planet. And the instant I get home, they're like, "Oh no, oh, do, oh, wait, wait, do, you got to have this, you got to have that, you got to have that. You can't live without the da, 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 and all these things." Like, wait a second, you want me to spend half my income on possibilities of could be stuff? Wait a second, what is this ridiculousness? Why do we need insurance for that? That 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 oh it's just the way it is. And I'm like, well, why do you accept that? Why does it have to be that way? So the re-entry back into the States here was something entirely different. You know, that whole get you out of the system was one thing. But the immediate re-entry is they try to suck you back down and get you as much debt, as much get it's the most ridiculous thing. This I was saying that America cost at least double or triple of everywhere else that still has the same quality on the planet, but they milk you of every dollar they can with the possibilities of things for all this lawyers that could do something and sue you in this way or that way. And by the end of the month, you have very little left. I'm like, you know, overseas, the quality of life's equally as good. The medical care is far superior. Everything costs way less and you're paying 10 or 12, maybe 15 times less for medical insurance and by the end of the month, you actually have money to spend living outside the U.S. We're here. People are stuck in this debt trap. And the minute you get back, they want to get you back in the debt trap again. And, you know, to leave or reenter, it's just about, you know, they, they 
there, I don't know what it is about this independent thought just doesn't exist in the States. And I'm sorry if anybody out there is offended by this talk, but you have been just regurgitating the same system of whatever it is to milk every single cent out of you by the end of the month. I mean, how many of you have money at the end of the month? Because you're stuck in the system that just does not let an exit out unless it's a hard exit. And seriously, you got to break with everything. And coming back in, you know, I'm appalled. I'm actually insulted that I came back in and being penalized for having my own business. So I came back in and I said, all right, I'm going to need some health insurance because I have a farm and, I, you know, I already got cut myself a few times and whatever. So I said, all right, I'll get some health insurance. This should not be bad because when I was living over in Asia, it was like $120 a month and it included almost everything except for if he had heart arrhythmia and that was like a pre-existing condition. So let's say 150 bucks a month and you got pretty much full coverage, but the dental cost a little bit extra. I think it was 30 bucks a month extra for dental if you wanted. But if you went in to get a cleaning on your teeth, it only cost between 30 and $50. Not even that much. 30 bucks, let's say, a thousand, yeah, about $30 to get your teeth cleaned. You know, here you can't even go in and see a dentist without the x-rays and everything for two or $300. And then they need to do the cleaning. And then by the time you get out, it's an $800 bill to clean your teeth. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It cost me $30 to get exceptional, the same gear that you have here, the same, you know, whatever machines and what you, they have that and even better because it's manufactured in Asia and all the technology jumps are coming from over there that finally make their way to the U.S. in the medical system. It's far ahead over there in Asia. And I'm thinking, wait a second, how could something that I can do over there for the same equivalent that cost me $30 cost me six to $800 here, a 20 or 30X on the price? That's insane. Now, see, if you didn't live overseas, you would just consider that as the normal. You would think that's the normal price. But for me, seeing the other side, like, wait a second, I've had incredible health care for, I'm going to just, let's round it up, less than $200 a month. I'll say $150. Let's make it even. I come back here, they're like, well, you have your own business, and, you know, you're not, there's no company that will sponsor you because you have your own business. We want $580 per month. I'm like, whoa, whoa, well, that, that's 5X or 4X over what I could get. And it wasn't even for, it was catastrophic only with like a $12,000 deductible. And I was like, are you insane? Really? You want $580 on a $12,000 deductible because I own my own business. These are the kind of insanity that people live in here that think it's normal because they just, Americans, you just don't know better. You think that's a normal thing. That's not normal. That is extortion and fraud and coercion at its highest level. Why should anybody need to pay that much money to have health care? And, you know, and then I was realizing that I'm glad I lived overseas because if you didn't have that health care insurance, you would have been penalized to your taxes. You would have been, you know, had some penalties. But I was not part of that because I was, you know, out of the, out of the states for 330 days a year. But to come back into this whole system here, it's frustrating. And being on the other side of escaped this system, and I have a, I've had a few friends talk to me in person, and they go, you know what? You made the cleanest break ever of anybody we've ever known. You went over there. You were not in the system. You were completely like 99.9% out of this system. So even if you made money, they couldn't attract you over there. I mean, shoot, what you're doing? You were completely in your own universe over there, and you decided to come back for your family, and then you're locked back in this system again? You, like, came back to the prison you escaped from. I was like, yeah, you know, I did. I did, indeed. But that whole thing about 
trying to escape a system, since I've done it once, to move into the parallel system is quite a bit easier for me. You know, for a lot of people, you know, listening out there, it's not as difficult as you think it is. You might, you, you might think that it's going to like erase or evaporate your life and you're going to, no, it won't. It's completely freeing by the time you jump to a different system. So if you are thinking about moving to the parallel economy that's evolving right now because you don't want to get the vaccine, because you don't want to have your children vaccinated, well, something that's going to change your DNA, and we've already seen the adverse reactions going through the entire inoculation spectrum in the UK where they're setting up portions and extra wings of hospitals for the, for the anaphylactic shock that's been happening to so many people. What do you think is going to happen to your children? Forget you. What do you think is going to happen to your kids who are still developing their bodies? You know, we're going to have to make a choice here. You either go to the parallel system or you get locked in and your DNA gets changed. Your children die early. You die early. And it's a depopulation event. Maybe that's the thing. Because you know when it says 500 million people in the Georgia Guidestones shall survive? Or we, we, the elite, will let 500 million people live because we're so benevolent. Perhaps that's it. Perhaps they're letting you choose your own life by getting off on the parallel. And maybe they figured, all right, one out of 14 are going to jump out of the system and we'll let, okay, those 500 million who decide to get the hell out, jump off to a new system and say, you know what, we don't need your old system. Hey, those are the ones who should survive anyway. We'll just let them roll off onto the countryside and produce their own parallel economies. And we're not even going to mess with them. We're going to mess with everybody in the cities. Those who choose your free will to go jump off to a parallel existence wherever it was. See, and that was the thing. Nobody ever messed with me once I decided to leave. I chose to leave of my own free will. And once I left, you know, there's so many stories of, oh, the IRS is going to track you down because you're working overseas and you're – they never did, ever, ever. Because there are always parallel tax treaties in different countries. So if you worked in a different place and if they were associated with the U.S., you already you paid tax over there. But at the same time, since you're out of the States for 330 days, you had a, a huge exemption. I think it was $120,000 a year. You, you see, this is the thing. If you live overseas, you can make $120,000 and pay zero tax because the exemption for the U.S. tax right now is $120,000 before you get taxed and earn dollar number one, as long as you're out of the States for 330 days. So make sure your plane tickets are on time when you're going to live overseas. Because for you, living in 120 grand in the States, you're going to get taxed, what, $30,000, $40,000 out of that? You're going to get taxed easily. But living overseas, you get to keep it all. And the tax rate, you know what my tax rate was working over there? And I paid full tax. I was fully on the table, and I was very willing to do this, 6%. Six. And that was a tax treaty with the country I was living in and working. Six percent was their tax rate. And because I lived out of the States and it was a reciprocal with the U.S. and it was connected between systems like their tax service was connected with the IRS. And, you know, I was still within there, the real service. Six percent. So those of you who are bickering over your taxes are going to lower to 25 percent. You need to overthrow the system. And those of you, like myself, who would be taxed at 39%, that is outrageous, and that is criminal, and we need a new system. If you're saying that 39% is okay, and you're voting for the candidate who's going to lower your taxes to 35 or 34 or 30%, and oh, yay, you need a new brain in your brain, because paying 30% is still 
absurd and grand theft. Those idiots that are taking your money should be placed in prison, orange jumpers, and shackles for taking 30% of your money. When you can live overseas and pay 6% and not get any penalties here in the States and still keep all of your money for working. Because generally when you're working in the country and you're paying the 6 the money they take out of there with your deductions that you get working overseas, you pretty much balance out. And you're happy paying 30 or 40% of your wages and you're jumping for joy that a candidate's going to give you 25% on your capital gains? Kiss my behind. I escaped the system once and I knew what it was like on the outside. And now jumping back into it, it is sickening coming back. Sickening what I see here in the States in terms of what's required for insurance, liability insurance, and all these things that I would need for my farm as well. Because some idiot comes out, breaks their ankle in a gopher hole and says, well, I'm going to sue you for your farm. Uh, you know, th- this is ridiculous too. The way that the States is set up, it's nothing more than a milk machine to leave you with no money at the end of the month. And I encourage everybody to get out of this and get on the parallel system. You know, uh, I wish everybody could have escaped with me and lived over t- for 20 years in a different country where we would have paid and just lived and understood that prices and uh, value is quite different. Because at the end of the month, you should have money in your bank account. You should not be in a deficit and needing to run massive credit balances to live your life. And it's not like a super exceptional life where you're out banging bottles of champagne and you know hitting the limos and driving the private jets and everything. I could see that in Asia at the end of the month. If you blew all your money, yeah, you took a private jet here or there. Cool. With some friends for a weekend. Okay, I blew the money that I had. But otherwise, you should be putting some money in the bank at the end of the month. And we're not not, not talking like a couple hundred bucks. You should be banking a couple grand a month at the end of the month. That's what you get living out of the States and outside Europe, too. And any of you out there in Europe, excuse me for not including you, and your ridiculous socialist healthcare systems and socialist 45 or 50% tax over there. I don't know what you're thinking by accepting that either with the ECB and the EU and all that stuff. Jeez. I mean, how brain, how, how indoctrinated is this entire planet when we're coming down and accepting that people will steal 50% of your money or 30 or 40% of your money and that's okay and you're begging to get 35% of your money stolen instead of 40%. That's, it's unreal. Truly, it is unreal. And Craig, I'm going to stop, man. I'm going to start swearing here in a minute. It's because I think in great part people don't see it. And um, something I've noticed with uh, cryptocurrency is with the parallel society, parallel economy that's being created, I think one of the issues that you run into is, you know, why does the system not like it that exists, the current monetary system? Well, one issue is when you work on a W-2 form, you just get paid, the taxes are taken out, you see it, but you don't really feel it because you, you're, you're kind of getting the end result of that taxation. And when you pay sales tax, when you pay property tax, when you're paying all these taxes, basically every time your money moves, every time there's a transaction, you know, uh, or you just make interest, you're like, oh, that's a transaction, we want that. So, And then, of course, you have to be the administrative assistant for this system which is extorting you. You have to do all the work and prove that you're clean or, they, or they're going to come after you. You know, So it's a scary system, and it's a system in many ways that is a little invisible to people. It's like death by a thousand cuts. You know, you're, you're, Your paycheck gets taxed. 
you buy food that gets taxed, you, you, you buy gas that gets taxed, everything, you start thinking how many times does every dollar you you have get taxed? You know, I mean, in my opinion, it, it gets taxed infinite ways till eventually there's nothing. You're just making money to try to stay ahead of the tax that you're uh, paying. So I think that people don't see it and they've been indoctrinated into it and it just seems natural that's the thing i mean like we go into a bank and you and you do something with your bank you get a notary or something you don't really think it's the evil empire you just think it's a bank and the people who are in it they don't know most of them are just working it's a job so i just think it's 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 sort of like there's this uh you know great evil we've lived with for quite some time that we're just we've just been programmed not to realize that it's happening it's kind of hidden from us in a way um and one of the reasons that I think that the the system wants to go after uh, you know personal crypto wallets that are you know hardware wa- wallets or software wallets that are off of any centralized system that are yours, no one can see it's yours, um, is because if the transaction does not move in government monitored fiat, a government you know monitored fiat control system that can be stopped, that can be you know researched that can be taxed, they consider that money laundering. They consider that terrorism, quite literally. You know, that's really what uh, Mnuchin says when he talks about these uh, fiat wallets, these, these hardware wallets people have that have crypto on them or stable coins, which for those who understand, you, you get it, but basically for those who are not so familiar, a stable coin is a crypto coin equivalent to $1. Like USDC is a stable coin. And so it just hangs yeah, but Craig, out. Let me stop you for let, let me stop for a second. You know, the, the stable coin is forget money as we know it. One equals one. So one of anything in any other part of the planet means one. So we've been so indoctrinated to think that a dollar equals a dollar or, you know, a, a euro equals this or a yen equals that or a pound equals a dollar thing. This is completely – you have to restructure the mind of thinking. One equals one anywhere on the planet. So there's no like fiat – exchange rates or anything. So one equals one. So I don't care if you are in Republic of Congo and I'm in the United States, one equals one. And that's it. It simply boils down to that easiness of functioning. And please, you know, Craig, if you can talk about decentralized stable coins and then, you know, like USDC and the centralized US, you know, tether and, and, and circle, et cetera. Yeah. Well, the, uh, with the stable coins, you know, the thing is, I'm not as familiar with that, actually. Like, I, I use Tether, and I use USDC, and I do believe Circle owns, yeah, like, USDC. I'm not as familiar with DAI. I mean, most of my transactions when I go in and out of a stablecoin are just um, USDC or USD, or it's USDT, it's Tether, and I don't really use DAI that much. So um, I don't have a lot of familiarity with, actually, it's kind of silly, but what stablecoins are per se, other than they're just each one is equivalent to a dollar usually is what it's pegged to but of course it's funny i do think we'll see stable coins start to have a value outside of the dollar quite possibly because if we look at the uh, dxy ticker it's just dxy if you put that in google you'll see charts for it like you're saying a dollar does change in value the dollar strength index the dxy you can look at it and it's been dumping for the last couple of weeks pretty good 
And so a dollar, it's not a dollar. It's losing its purchasing power. For one thing, just with inflation, a certain percent, couple percent a year anyway. But then also now it's on the way down. So when you're sitting on money in the bank, um, it's disappearing just by you holding it. You know, so I think this is this is this is a huge thing for the uh, the system right now, and it's why they why they're clamping down on what they why they want more control is that um, as we move towards a, uh, a a technocracy as it would be would be considered, and a part of that is every nation having its own digital currency. Well, they kind of already do. I mean, most of the transactions of the dollar are digital anyway, but this is just a better. Um, monitoring system when they say digital currency so you'd have like the you know us whatever um usd you know a or something like that uh that currency then can be completely monitored and it's just a way for them to ensure that they're seeing every single transaction so quite literally if you do something wrong like if you you're so for instance your social credit score like they have in china you know literally your your social credit score affects it, they can just lock your wallet. And the thing is that digital currency, uh, every transaction and where it is kept would be the government's system. So you never actually own that uh, digital currency yourself. And they can do things like when it comes to the universal basic income, they can say, here is your weekly allotment, you know. Um, and then if you don't spend it, then it just disappears. You know, it just goes back into the uh, uh, the collective. So it's quite a control system that they want to put in place, and I do think sometimes I get this feeling that the uh, everything's moved too fast uh, for the, the the financial institutions. I think for really a lot of the world governments, a lot of what I just call like the empire, I, I sometimes get a feeling that they've been forced to show their to, to implement plans they've had too quickly. I almost think that the uh, millennial generation is they originally had in mind to be in power. To be in government, to be you know running more of society than it is right now, I think they were kind of targeted as the ones who would embrace the technocracy. Like like we've all seen that ad by God, what is it? It's the uh, World Economic Forum. The video I think they took it down, but where they're selling the system that they want to implement, where they say you'll own nothing and like it, and this moron is sitting there like after a big soy latte, just smiling. Oh, I own nothing and I like it. So. For some reason, I think maybe there is a great awakening happening. Maybe people are getting smart. That's where I am kind of hopeful. And I'm not talking about crypto a lot, but I think that as people, so many people are becoming aware of how the world's financial systems work. And they're getting like you, like, like you are like offended. You come back to America, you're like, I'm offended by the way they're ripping me off and everybody else. And I think people who have have not left the country you might say they've gotten like a similar education into crypto because they're going wait a second you know i have part of why people put up with it is that the dollar's always been losing value and if you have a dollar it's just a dollar it doesn't seem to change it just slowly loses money it just slowly loses value so why not spend it also interest used to be something that you got in the bank you got enough interest to actually pile your money in a bank and then actually get interest you know, from it, it, it could do you something. Uh, you could actually use that. And now, I forget what year exactly you could say, you know, what decade that changed, but now we don't have interest anymore in banks, really. You just don't. Um, but now you've got that in crypto. You've got that. You put your stable coins in something like uh, Celsius or um, uh, BlockFi, some of these companies, um, 
and you're getting for a stablecoin 10 to 13 percent APR back. I mean, that's amazing. Now you start getting into the situation where you know what? I could just put my money into stablecoins, my USD into stablecoins. I could put that into, um, you know, one of one of those DeFi platforms where I get that interest. And they're stable. They are good. I have confidence in them. And you start getting to the point where you actually could retire with the money you've got. You or you could, if you can get enough of a pile in there, you can start. You can start paying your monthly expenses in it with interest that you're getting when you're talking about interest like that. So, interest is back. And if Bitcoin's on the way up, uh, especially you, you can get like six uh, percent or more interest on your Bitcoin. Um, that's pretty amazing. If you want to, you know, huddle that, you start looking into real big gains. If you're buying your dollar cost average Bitcoin every week, you know, and you're keeping it in a DeFi wallet, you're getting six percent on that. I mean, you're, you start looking, you start looking at real wealth that you're going to acquire. You start thinking where you could be in three years doing that. It's phenomenal. Um, and so, I think this is one of the things that they do not want you to know. They do not want you to to see. You know, especially as we move into this idea of the technocracy. And like I say, I, I think that the plan may not be working so well because I don't know why, but I think that they, I think things accelerated. I think they've had to implement things quicker than they want it to. Things have gone wrong. Maybe people are getting smarter. Maybe it's the communication on the Internet. Maybe it's all the uh, journalists, uh, um, alternative media. You know, we're not just watching Walter Cronkite anymore. Um, there's just so much truth that it's really, really hard for them to hide. It's it, Even though they pump out the delusion, the division, the hatred, the lies in the mainstream media, you've, you, you've got just too many smart people who are connected and can do research now. Uh, I just see that their plan got screwed up and they're having to move too fast. And that's why we're seeing this powerful Great Reset come in. And like I say, I don't think you can fight it because fighting never really works. You know, I think we're looking at, along with the Great Reset, one of the greatest evils of our times, you know, of like world history, maybe, you know, the Great Reset, a horrible thing. We're also seeing something beautiful, and that's the parallel economy, the parallel society. And, you know, I'm surprised that the powers that be ever even allowed cryptocurrency to exist that have even allowed um uh defi you know a decentralized finance to exist so i mean there's people now that can live basically they, they can accrue wealth through interest through a currency that, that also not just interest but a, a currency that is making big gains. So, you know, your dollar, you got a dollar, you put it in the bank, who cares? It just stays at the dollar. Um, Bitcoin or Satoshi's, you know, pieces of a Bitcoin, um, that's making you money usually every year. It all depends on what time frame you want to look at it. I mean, uh, imagine the Bitcoin, it's uh, about 17, 8 right now. It's kind of taking a dump today and yesterday. But I do believe in the projections that it could be 50,000, 100,000, hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin. So that all of a sudden gives you an incentive to start, um, you know, every individual can start to accrue wherever they're at. They can actually begin to accrue wealth for their future. This is a big change. So we are literally living in two different worlds. The old world that wants to just rob your ass <laughs> you know and now a new one where it's hopeful and here's something i've noticed is that people who get into crypto they become healthier 
They become happier. They gain more wisdom. They're optimistic. They, because part of it is they're able to pour their energy, their life force, their soul, their sovereign being. Um, they get to put that into something finally that has value. It is moral. I think that, you know, fiat currency in itself, it's immoral. It's just a bad thing. Um, now people can put their, they can uh, build wealth in a moral way. And it just seems to affect the body, the mind, the spirit, optimism. You know what it really seems to give people back is hope. I think that an essential aspect for a society to work, for an individual to, 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 to function is they need to have hope. You need to believe that, you know, that things are going are gonna to be good, are going to work. How do you have kids? How do you have a life? How do you invest in your society if you don't have hope? And so I think that uh, Bitcoin is hope again. I think crypto is hope again. I think the parallel society is hope. And yeah, you know, um, you know, we're still in a little bit closer to a city than we'd like, but we're, we're working on getting our rural property also. And so, you know, one of the ways that we're going to be able to afford that, crypto, <laughs> you know, and I feel so good because I made the money that I made doing something that is good for the world. That is a peaceful revolution that is not fighting but simply walking away from a corrupt and bad system to a moral one that brings life to the world. So what I would say is I get excited. I get happy thinking about this this moment in time because um, for the first time in my life, the last couple of years, I've been able to make uh, sound money, real money, um, and do it in a moral way that I knew in my heart was doing good for society and not and not hurting people because I've worked at enough crappy corporations that did not care about human life or this world and I knew that I was doing something wrong um, giving them my life energy even if they're paying for it and now I can just pour my passion into crypto and I can know that my efforts not just benefit me but they make the world a better place and I'm happier healthier wiser wiser wealthier you know, the world looks optimistic and hopeful to me. And so one of the things we're talking about is how do people put up with such taxation and such like that? Well, look at the financial world that they were born into. It sucks in the first place. It's corrupt. And also, if I look at people's in general, their posture, their general happiness, their health, people are none of that right now. People are just degenerating. You know, but I literally see people, I know it sounds crazy and I'll turn it back to you, but they get into crypto and people start asking them, hey, are you been going to the gym or something? Are you on a diet? Because you just look better. You just seem happier. What's going on? And they're like, Bitcoin. <laughs> I can't breathe, baby. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. And uh, top of the hour break here, Revolution Radio, Studio A, freedomslips.com. Thank you for letting us have this venue to speak our minds and, and speak our truth here for anybody to listen and enjoy the hours that we're talking. I've been here with Craig Simpson from Radiant Creators. You know, that, that is an incredible podcast to go listen to. I was originally a guest on there, and that's how Craig and I met. And then, you know, after listening and watching the guest, and a couple of his guests were, you know, guests on my program. But, I mean, he's just taking the reins and run with that thing with like a speeding horse out in Arabia and a racehorse, bringing the best of the best of content of people who think like this, positivity into our world and how can you make the change not only for yourself so you can live a healthier, more abundant, vibrational frequency, happier life and you know, draw things to you, 
But then how can you affect others around you to have that same effect happen? So, you know, it, it expands out from you as a resonant core, if you will, just going out of this different type of energy. And eventually you're going to bump into or another person's thinking the same way with that. Re- they're going to connect in those dots of people in connection going out and they're going to connect to others and to others. And this is truly what it's about is trying to get this change of the way you live and he brings such the, the the most wonderful people to to speak on the podcast. You know, Craig, I, I I do listen to your guests quite a few times, and they always have something so positive to say. You'll never find a negative podcast on there. I mean, there are negative moments within it, you know, to try to frame the situation on how you can jump out of that or expand out of it. But the reality is, you know, we just can't hide from these changes that are here now, nor should we hide. I mean, you know, where I was, I had a, a really interesting conversation with an 80-year-old guy, because this is a funny story, too. I was talking to uh, one of my neighbors, and I said, you know, I need somebody to come in to draw a canal and see if they can. There's an aquifer on my property, but somebody about, they say, 15 years-ish ago came up and cemented it over and then put a pipe out because they were running water back to an area where they wanted to grow some pine trees. Well, something broke on the pipe, and they never came back to fix it, and it's been dammed off up at the top. And it's interesting. It's at the top of the mountain where the water's flowing out. It's not, you know, where you think it's like bubbling up from the earth. It's actually the aquifer is coming out about three-quarters of the way up the, the property we owned at the top of the mountain up there. So I was saying, asking my neighbor, I said, you know, I was wondering if anybody, you know, drills wells or can do like a horizontal uh, redrill, and we can see what kind of flow comes out of there. And, it, and he says to me, this is the funniest thing. He goes, yeah, well, if you go down to Hardy's around 730, uh, just go in there and look for a bunch of guys that are sitting around that just, you know, they look like local guys just sitting around talking and go ask for this other guy. And I'm like, what the? I don't have his phone number. You just go in and ask for this guy. He's 80. He doesn't have any phone number. You just go, you find this guy. And I'm like, that's the kind of world we need, you know? And just go into this place and look for a person at this time in the morning. They're there every single morning. And you'll notice them because they look like the guys that you're looking for farmers and they look like they're living on the earth and go join the group of older guys and just sit down and ask for this guy. Like that's the way to no phone number. That was so funny for me to like, yeah, okay. Very cool. Very cool. But the thing was, once I made contact with them, the stories from this guy were out of this world. So East Tennessee, he was telling me about burial mounds, native American Indian burial mounds that were all over the Valley down here but once they started filling it up with the Tennessee Valley Authority Dam hydroelectric projects, almost all the Cherokee sacred sites were buried under the water now. They're, you know, 15, 18, 30 feet deep underwater. And he was like, you know, if you go down to the bridge over there by this boat dock, if you look at low water right now, because in the wintertime they let the water down, it's like if you look off the boat dock and you look southwest down here, you can see the Indian, uh, it was a 35-foot burial mound. It's like at low water, it's a water hazard, so they put a marker in it at the uh, at, during this time of the year. So look for the buoy out there. And sure enough, I couldn't see the mound, but I could see the buoy that he was talking about. And then I started doing more research, and there were like more than a 1,000 burial mounds around in the valley here. And during the 1930s, 20s, 40s, they you know, excavated them, and then once they stole everything out of it, they just bulldozed it and uh, just tilled it flat again. So one thing he told me, though, beyond the Native American Indian stories of the Cherokee and everything that was lost down here, 
Because I was asking him then about some sacred sites, you know, because I've always been into that. And he's like, yeah, I look for some arrowheads on your land because I know where your land is. And I they used to camp up there because it was kind of a, a um, like a T-junction between valleys. And it wasn't like fully heavily inhabited all the time. But he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I, know, I know for sure because my grandfather told me that they were up. There. And this guy's 80 and he's telling me his grandfather told him that Cherokee was living up there. And they used that as a post for signaling. And there were there were a small handful of people living up there. And he's like, yeah, make sure you check your creek. There's going to be arrowheads in there for sure. So another thing he was told me it was really interesting was you can't hide. And he was talking about the moonshiners and the people who wanted to be left alone. Like the people who really went back to live with the Sasquatch, like way back in there into the national, what is now national forests. They wanted to stay away from the change, what they saw coming in the 1910s, 20s, and 30s. There were an enormous amount of people that did not want the electrification of that area to happen. There were an enormous amount of people that did not want to see what you're talking about, the railroads and the banks and all this stuff to come flowing into the valley in like the 1920s. So there was an enormous amount of people that were super ferocious, and they used to shoot first, shoot second, shoot third, and ask maybe half of a question, maybe after the fourth shot. Right, that they wanted nobody on their land. They wanted no contact. They wanted no uh, like upgrade to technology at all. And he was he was telling me one because we started having a, a similar conversation about, yeah, how do you think the world's going to go? You know, I was asking him just as like a guy my age. I was like, you know, I really value your knowledge that you have because you're 80 and you have so much more knowledge than me. And I really want to just ask you a couple simple questions here, like. And all this craziness of COVID, like, what do you think is going to go on right now? How do you think the world's going to move? And that's what the whole thing was. Like, you're not going to be able to hide from this. And then he started telling me the story of these guys back in the 1920s, actually whole communities, guys, whole communities running down the ridge in the Cherokee National Forest and all the way up through the Smoky Mountains. They did not want any, any upgrade at all. And there was this ferocious battle. And eventually they brought the sheriffs in in the 1930s, and then the 1940s came in the World War, and all the electrification, the dams were there, and there was just no way to resist what came in. So he was saying, you know, from my knowledge, if I would have been somebody living in, say, 1900 back there that didn't want the change, I would have understood the change and tried to move forward with it. And he, say, he, say, he, looks, right, he looks right at me and he goes, that's the same thing that's happening today. And he says to me, there's nowhere to hide from this. There's nowhere to hide. He didn't say run. He said hide. So, you know, he and taking his knowledge, understanding that the old stories he was trying to convey to me about people who didn't want change living in the forest and homesteaders and settlers that were living way back on the mountains. You know, they were touching Sasquatch. You know, today what we consider remote, that was that was like, you know, up a main road comparatively to what they were back then. But he's like, there, and I'm thinking, you know, I was trying to put it in retrospect going, you know how remote they were, how far back they were. I mean, they would have been like a disappeared tiny little valley in the middle of nowhere, six mountain ranges back in the middle of the middle of the middle, and they still experience change. So for us to think that we in this day interconnectivity with the Internet, the drones, the road systems, the satellites, the, the communications, the tracking and all this, automobiles and everything else that we can hide somewhere for this change. There's no way. We're going to have to deal with it and do the best we can to bring it out and bring a positive outcome from it. It's almost like you're going to have to embrace the monster instead of running from it. 
It's almost like you're going to have to run to the ghost and grab it and, and put love into the ghost to make it disappear. You're going to have to grab the boogeyman and slam it against the wall and shoot love into its heart to make it disappear. The only way we are possibly get there's no resisting this. You're going to embrace it and change it from being embraced by it. That's the only possible message that I got from this guy who was much older than me trying to explain how things change. And we're talking like 120 years ago. And he brought it so it was so apropos and so succinct the way he explained it to me. I wish you know I could have had the full conversation with you and just played it here. Because this movement into cryptocurrency and how we change the world, this movement into the parallel economy where we could trade without money, and this whole how we're going to resist these vaccines. I mean, if enough people resist and literally 60% of the people say, no, I won't do it. And if you're going to mandate it in your store that I have to have a COVID vaccine passport before I go into your establishment, they're going to lose 50% of their business. Now, I don't know how many companies can continue to lose half of their share unless it's continually, perpetually this stimulus that's going to roll in from the government. So they're like, we don't care if you lose money. The people can rebel all they want, and they won't support your stores, but we as the government can continue to fund you so you can have like the, the uh, essential business label on your stores or your companies. And if, even if 50% of the people stop buying, we'll still support you to make sure that your revenue is there so the stock price stays up for the traders to continue with their 1%, whatever. But there's going to be a serious pushback when, when COVID passport and inoculation passports become the norm or try to. I just read a really interesting article about Air Asia today. Now, Air Asia, if anybody knows out and has traveled in Asia, this is a super budget airline. Anywhere three hours, uh, just pack a couple bottles of water from the airport and then get to your place and party on, dude. Right? This is a, if you're going to fly somewhere down to, I don't know, Singapore, Thailand, Jakarta, or Bali, or you know wherever you're going, you can go up to Taipei, you can go up to in the in, up to Korea, where Japan, like fly an hour or two up to some other place. Incredible, super budget airline. But the CEO of that airline came out and said, you know what? We've been told today, and this rolls right back into all that full trade treaty that just got released uh, about a month ago, where all the Asian countries came together and like, oh, it's a coup against the United States. They have all come together as like an Asian trading block. And the Air Asia guy, I don't know if he let it slip by accident or if he was supposed to put this information out, but he said, yes, we being Air Asia and we cover every one of those countries in the new trading block, we were told that you're going to have to have the vaccine to travel between Asian nations, period. And I was thinking, huh. So somebody from Thailand is not going to be able to walk over the border to Laos without having a COVID tracking app on their phone when probably 10 or 15% of the people living in these Southeast Asian nations don't even have a phone. There's no access to phones. There's no signals anywhere. They're in the mountains and across vast regions. And this person let out that you're going to have to have a vaccine and a COVID app on your phone before you're allowed to transit borders between any Asian nation. You know, this is the things that need to be stopped, changed, and moved from within. And the whole thing about the finance, the COVID tracking apps, the vaccination uh, passport, if you will, to move between countries. At some point, we as the world are going to have to stand up and say, there's 0% money of my money going into anything that's remotely related to that. And maybe money will talk, maybe it won't. 
But if you can, we've seen it through history as, as people, enough people say no to something, it stops instantly. Like McCarthyism, it stopped the second we said no more. You know, we look at slavery and we look at apartheid and we look at many chapters through history that have been tumultuous at best for different countries and regions, but this time it's the world. But if enough people stand up and say no, then it stops on a dime. And we've seen this through history. That's the norm. As soon as we no longer accept it, the elitists or whoever they want to consider themselves, or just the way the paradigm and the paradox of the universe is working, of what's acceptable and like power structures like running through this realm instantly stops and it has to shift to something new because enough people with their minds say no, so then it suddenly stops. And it's this kind of conversation here that Craig and I are having that I hope you take something away, please. You're gonna have there's nowhere to run from this. We're going to have to take and transition from within your own money, your own sovereignty, saying no and, uh, you know, talking to others to also bring them to say no to what's happening. Because if enough people get together and say no, it's that, that what do they call it, the 100th monkey effect, if I could say that three times fast. But I don't know. Where do you think, Craig, the world's moving? If enough of us say no, then it's going to have to change. It just simply can't go on because, like you said, they've rolled out plans too quickly. They're not prepared for it. So they're not prepared for enough people to say no either. I do believe that's why there's such this massive, massive effort of uh, gigantic machine moving forward of everybody loves the vaccination. Everybody loves. You must get it. Everybody has to have it. And now these people are, you know, falling over with anaphylactic shock in the UK where they're saying, all right, anybody with an allergy, uh, you can't take this. And they have entire wings now devoted to just people dropping on the floor, having anaphylactic shock, where they're setting apart wings of people who are vaccinated for the for the uh, adverse reactions right now in the UK. It's a it's a political night. It's a public relations nightmare and the politics over there too, a political nightmare for everybody trying to roll this out. So maybe I was a little long-winded, but Craig, what do you think we can do to like get the system to say no so the system changes? Because if everybody on Earth says no, or even half the people on Earth say no, then it doesn't work. The only reason things work is because we acquiesce to it. We say okay, and by us saying okay, then it continues. But the moment we say not okay, it stops on a dime. But how do we get to that rollover where billions of people are going to say, no, I'm not going to vaccinate myself, nor my children, nor my grandparents, nor my parents? Not acceptable. And I'm not going to your damn store because I need food and I need to get a vaccine. There's not none. I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. Or flying on your airline or going to your bank or doing anything. No, 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 no. It stops. But how do you get that rollover effect to get people to understand that? I think that it's starting to happen, and this is a tough one because I, I know I ponder it quite a lot. Um, there's a great book called Superclass, The Global Power Elite and the World They Are Making by David Rothkopf, and it's interesting, and, and he, he spent a lot of time interviewing people at, uh, oh gosh, what are some of those uh, get-togethers they have? This guy... He got in a lot of amazing places. It's a fun book. It's also oh, Davos and the World Economic yeah, Forum, yes, those two yeah, places. Yeah, he got into these places, and he was interviewing people there and such. And so he interviewed a lot of surprising people. And many people are really turned on. They go, oh, my gosh, yay, I'm being invited. I'm getting to go to, you know, Bohemian Grove or whatever, you know. I'm a somebody now. Well, one of the things that I learned with the super class reading that book is that 
a lot of the elite that we speak of are dumb as crap too. I mean, they're not necessarily always smart. A lot of them have no idea what they're doing. And so one advantage that we have, and uh, hopefully I don't get droned for saying this, the, the, the globalist technocracy, a lot of the people who know what's going on that are pushing it um, are dumb. So luckily we have that on our side. I think that I think that evil might be blessed with some like strangely long lives and things like that. Like that. Like look at some of our senators and such. They're like eight hundred years old. They look it, you know. So evil blesses, you know, many evil. Uh, it gives gifts, but they backfire. And so luckily, the superclass, the the globalist technocracy. Thankfully, a lot of them are you know, pretty dumb. Like, look at, like, look at a Zuckerberg or something like that. I mean, are you telling me that guy actually created something? I don't buy it. And he doesn't look very bright to me. So what I see happening is we're seeing the fight happen. Um, something I, I learned in being a second amendment advocate for, uh, decades. Yeah. At times I've been very, 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 very politically involved, especially when I lived in like Washington state, uh, you know, working on pro-Second Amendment causes and such like that is it's easy to tr- to think you're doing well and to be damaging your cause. So it's hard to do it. it, it it's easy to think you're doing good, but it's hard to do good well. And um, everybody wants to fight and everybody's willing to do what it takes. Most people are would definitely wipe sweat off their brow. They're not afraid to roll up their sleeves. They're not afraid to uh, to, to be socially ostracized, not even afraid of violence, you know, being attacked. But they need to know that what they're doing, like when they fight, when they take action, that it actually has uh, a value that they can win. You know, you 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 want to play to win, and I think that I'm starting to see things organize themselves into a winning play here. So what I see as far as the vaccine fight is that. I think people are starting to realize that all things are connected. Um, they're not disconnected. They're not random. They're not by chance at all. So you look at COVID. You look at masks. You look at social distancing. You look at mandatory vaccines. You look at the Great Reset. Um, digital currencies being pushed now and created by the you know global technocracy. That's all one. You know, and I think people are catching on to that. They're going, wait a second, that's all one. And so. Where I think something I think that's happening right now, and this is a pretty out there concept uh, way of looking at it, and I only just formed this over like the last couple of days. But I, I, I love way out there, man. So go as woo woo <laughs> as you can, okay. let it fly. Yeah, yeah. So this this is way out there. Um, I've been reading a book by um, it's called Revolver, and it's the history of the Revolver and the history of uh, Samuel Colt and his family. And one of the beautiful things about it is um, if you want to study, you know, American history, you really got to, you know, study, well, the revolver. And it's kind of the, the story of the revolver and Samuel Colt, who ultimately, you know, he, is, he was the first one to patent and manufacture the revolver um, to any great extent. And so he was basically one of the, you know, first big arms manufacturers. And, you know, he kind of played both sides he'd sell he was around for quite a while before the uh civil war so he was around during the spanish-american war and he was selling guns to that to, to the uh, texas rangers at that point that's like where the walker colt 45 came along so 
it it's it's an amazing book because it teaches you about the times and what was going on. And so the revolver, Samuel Colt, what was going on, and it gets into very in, in, in detail what was going on leading up to the Civil War. And you know, my study of history has in general been around World War Two and World War One and 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 in between. Um, uh, I haven't really studied the Civil War that much, so my, my knowledge is not that great. But I learned a lot in this book, and one of the things that I'm seeing, and it was eerie reading it, and I knew it was not by chance that I was uh, reading this, is that we are right now in this country exactly in the same place as led up to the Civil War. Um, you had, for one thing, irreconcilable differences between states. Um, some were, you know, uh, uh, pro-slavery and some were not. And there was kind of two different – there's about three different standpoints people had. Some were pro. They were like, yes. Then you had the abolitionists who were like, no, it just shouldn't exist. And you had some that might have been the majority who were like, it's not cool, but let's just let it ride and technology will make it an irrelevant practice when the cotton gin comes along. And also we can just beat this legislatively. Let's not, you know, ever – that tear up the country over this. Well, anyway, also you had a, a media that was demonizing. Uh, it demonized each side. It wasn't honest. It was manipulative. Um, you had arms dealers like Colt who were itching for a civil war to some extent. Um, so literally, if I look at this world right now, if I look at just America uh, specifically, I would say that we're starting to – pick sides again and those sides are not just about vaccines they're not just about um this election so you can look at the election covid masks social distancing mandatory vaccines great resets digital currencies um other silly political issues you can look at you know hired thugs that are tearing up cities and things like that all this it's connected it's all connected it's all one evil behind it and like i said i think people are waking up to that and we are literally – if one studies the years leading up to the Civil War, like the, the five or six years or starting about a decade before the Civil War, you realize, my god, it is different reasons but the exact same thing. We are right there. We are right you know, um, at the brink of a Civil War. The only thing is I think – it's that because no one really saw the Civil War happening. People, when the first Civil War happened, many people were surprised. You know, they they didn't they didn't know it, and realized that, you know, it wasn't just big battles, but it was skirmishes. It was you know, it was it was an intense time in our history. So, what I can see happening right now is okay. So here's a cool story. It's out of um, uh, so you know, Civil War, Red versus Blue. And literally online now, like in social media, you'll see where people have made lists of red states and blue states, undecided, et cetera, et cetera, um, how the U.S. territories are going to go. People really see this as a possibility. And then, But I think, I think it will be peaceful this time because I look at it like this. This is out of The Spectator. Um, you know, Take that for what it's worth. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, seven states will join Texas in the uh, SCOTUS lawsuit against Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And so that's the thing. We've got states now that are lining up on either side of this. And so when I look at that that legal battle, which appears on the surface to be about the election, I don't think it's about the election. 
I think we are um, seeing – I think humanity in this country is realizing that <clears throat> it's all connected and either we're going to – and only one side can exist. Basically, the, the, the dignity of this country, the Constitution, you know, America like we think of it um, versus the globalist technocracy, those two cannot coexist. You know, just like – I mean I think the Civil War was about more than just slavery, but basically you know, free states versus slave states. They couldn't coexist. So I think we're at a time now. How, how can um, uh, red states – let's just call it that – and then uh, you know, social, social democrat, uh, globalist technocracy states exist? They, they cannot coexist. And uh, I've never really been a big fan of Lincoln, but one thing he did say before he got into office is that we're living in two Americas and only one can exist. And, of course, he meant war. I mean, he meant to do what, what, he, what he caused when he got in office. So we're in an interesting time, and I think we're right on the precipice, literally, of either we're going to settle this legally and some people are not going to like it, and we're going to get at least a couple more years I think if Trump gets reelected, just um, I really am apolitical, but this is just how I see it. Um, we're still going to have a divided nation, but I think that buys us time. So I, it's kind of hard to, to, to necessarily put into words in some ways, but we are – Texas is an amazing state, and it started in Texas. And so that's where the lawsuit's coming from. And if, if one watches an amazing TV series called Jericho, if you want to just have some fun – let your brain melt a little bit and just you know have some fun. Watch, watch some cool stuff. I think that's on Netflix or you can find it on Amazon Prime or something. Jericho. And it's about like America being EMP'd by the Chinese and such like that. And it's about this just town called Jericho and what goes on there. And uh, it's interesting how in that TV show, oftentimes these these you know precognitions happen and we see it in media we see it in movies where america was rebuilt texas out basically that was like the state that people rallied behind that's like where the new usa was was created and we fought back so it's funny now we're seeing texas leading the way once again and we have states lining up with texas saying yes let's take this this voter fraud down let's keep this a constitutional republic Let's not do the technocracy. Let's not, uh, you know, lose our currency. Let's not just be, you know, let's not be vaccinated. I see it as a big picture. Now, maybe I'm dreaming and maybe I'm a bit out there, but I think people, at least people that I'm talking to, are aware that it is all one. You know, COVID, masks, social distancing, mandatory vaccines, great resets, digital currency, all of it. The, the, the globalist technocracy, everything evil which is happening right now, all the bad things are one. They're orchestrated by the same people, orchestrated by the superclass, as that book talks about. But luckily, the superclass is kind of dumb. They're just evil. They've been, giving, they've been given special powers and power by evil to do what they're doing. Um, they enjoy it. But we're moving into the age of Aquarius now. You know, like you like you were talking about in an earlier video, 51%. Aquarius is very, very fast moving. You know, uh, Pisces is slow, slow, watery, dreamy. Aquarius is lightning bolts, nuclear explosions. It's fast. Um, just like the current financial systems can't get rid of blockchain, they can't get rid of 
cryptocurrency. They can't get rid of a new financial, uh, a new economy, a new financial system being built, um, an alternative one, uh, a parallel one. They seem like they can't, like, like we were saying, how the, I think this happened a generation too soon. I really do. I think it was meant to be the millennials that were the ones who were in power when this actually was pushed and really happened. But I think it had to happen for whatever reasons too soon. Their schedule got messed up. And humanity's waking up, and we're rallying around Texas. We're rallying around this, this uh, Supreme Court case. And I really hope that we just win there. We buy time. Because um, if not, we're going to go from a country with a leader to a, comp- to a country with no leader and basically just the globalist technocracy as the leader. And that's going to be really difficult. So I think we're either going to win a legal civil war um against all this nonsense or we are going to end up doing a real one and either way i think it's just the way it has to be and i I, i'd rather it i'd we gotta win one it has to happen one way one way or the other because we're living in two different worlds two different countries there's two americas and they cannot coexist so we're basically at civil war 2.0 and what i'm hoping is that we are able to well i hope that i, I hope that the side i prefer wins you know what i mean because because one side's going to win i mean the civil war destroyed this country it took a lot of time to rebuild there's still ancient hatreds from that it's not even over really and so the civil war 2.0 i don't know i think maybe we could end the first civil war finally put those ghosts to bed and i think we could be better off but we got to win it legally i hope that we do i don't know it's difficult because we're still going to be two countries at best, but I don't know. I, I think there's so much good happening in the world right now, like cryptocurrency, like parallel societies. You know, There's so much good happening. It just needs time to happen. And no, I think we're it, out of time. There's no time left. There's no time left. Okay. So it's happening no right now. It either happen. is or it isn't. Yeah. It's true. So that that's that's my kind of rant on that one. You know, it's it's I think, you know, how do you fight the vaccines and how do you fight the mandatory vaccines they want to push? I think you, with our mind, with our mind. And then I think collectively, I, I do think it's I I think it's all connected. And I think that's where we're going to see like Civil War 2.0. And it's either going to be one of the minds it's going to be one of – it could also – another option is quite literally the parallel economy, the parallel society just becomes so strong and sovereign that people just step over into that reality. And well, then that becomes the new reality then. See, that's yeah. the whole thing about the flip where there's no – it becomes its own parallel. It either is or it isn't, just like we've seen through history here. So if it does flip to the other side, what you're talking about here, and I also am a, a fan of – it, it's going to be that 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 will be it. Well, you're talking about the choice of A or B. There's like these two parallel tracks are happening where there's a you know hard fork in the road happening. And you talk about forked coins. This is happening right now. We always talk about blockchain protocols. People want to you know do something in a different way and add something into uh, the code, either make faster transactions or, or you know create interest in it or whatever it is. But there's always got to be a fork with that, and usually the fork that has the most movement forward and people agreeing on it becomes the continuous whatever it is like a bitcoin how many times is it forked from litecoin up to bitcoin cash and a bitcoin diamond and bitcoin this and bitcoin that da, 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 da. 
Like how many times can it fork before people come off the protocols, you know? It's the same thing that's happening right now in life. Mm. We're coming into this light versus darkness fork. And the fork happening right now, I'm really hoping that these energies that are coming in with the movement from earth into air. And I know a lot of people don't like the uh, the whole astrology thing. But please remember, just even a few hundred years ago, astrology and astronomy were the same science. You had to understand both to understand how the cyclicity or how the movements in cycles in time of the heavens came together to create resonance frequency magnetically or energetically on our planet for volcanism and erupting volcanoes or earthquakes or land subsistence or subsidence or buildings of mountains or, you know, rifting of this, that, and the other from Pangea. It all had a frequency with it. And you had to understand that on how things moved on the sun with the solar system out to the galactic arm into the the center of the Hunab coup, if you want to go further back into different traditions. But the whole astronomy and astrology were definitely connected a thousand percent. And we are coming into one of the biggest changes. And this is the strange thing, too. And, you know, Craig, because you're really more versed on this than myself. I, I kind of sound like a newbie when I talk about it. But the changes that are coming in in the energy, like we are definitely into a parallel here. We need to choose between light and dark, good or evil. And I know that can be, as you look at it in the, in the really duality of the universe, it is what it is. It, it is. It's a thing. Like for me, the sky is blue, right? Like I think the great creator looking at this is dropping us in this point here where it is what it is. It's dark or it's light. I mean, it's, it is. As the sky is blue. There, there's a sunset. It's orange. Okay, it is. But the way we're perceiving it in, in our lives and incorporating it into how we feel and resonate in the energetic field, that darkness or the light is where we're at in that split right now. Just like we're in a split in a fork in the cryptocurrency, we choose one protocol to move forward with or we don't. That like Both can't exist at the same time. So the, the darkness has let itself out into this is your choice or that's your choice. We're going to move forward right now. In December 21st in the solstice, when the energetic heaviness of earth shifts into air. And you're talking about the movement into Aquarius where it's a lightning bolt of fast. Now, these cycles generally don't overlap. The chances of us moving on a 2,160-year cycle at the same day that we're moving through an 800-year cycle and the same time that we're moving through a solstice, how many? you probably have to go back 800 or, or, or maybe, six, maybe 1.6 million years to find the same overlap in time. We're not talking about little time frames here. So do the math on that. If you're going to take those as cogs of the wheel – on a 2,160-year cycle, a 400, well, let's say 360-year uh, cycle of a grand solar minimum, a solstice on a very specific day on the 21st out of 365 days that can roll through, and then on something that also occurs only once every 800 years, and try to line those all up on the exact same day, how many hundreds of thousands or millions of years will we need to go back in the past to find this exact same matchup? I mean, you're really going to go millions of years back in the past to find this, not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. 
It's going to be farther back than that because just that thousand is going to multiply into the hundreds on top of the, the 365 into the hundreds or the ones. So think about it as doing regular math. If you're going to come up with an equation where, thou, where thousands match exactly with hundreds match exactly with ones, you're going to have to go back into millions because it just doesn't work that way. It's not going to compute in the thousands where it's going to match again. There's too many, too many cogs in the gears, if you will. So when we look at this time right now that we're blessed, and I really say blessed, totally blessed with, I'm so happy, so thankful to be alive and be participating in this change right here. Because I vibrate in the light. I do not accept darkness. I, I live in the light. I will never accept darkness. That's not my... I, I am in the light, trying to take light and taking light forward on this planet right now in this choice that I have. In this left or right movement, I choose light, only light. And that's the reason I do the program along with Craig here. You know, what I'm trying to give out is this... We have a choice and how you... Think in these next two weeks is so much more than what you can possibly imagine. I mean, we have these choices of, okay, the election's coming up. These things in the Supreme Court, they might or might not happen. That is what it is on this one plane within all these multidimensional planes happening right now. But how you think and how you vibrate and what the change you want to come and move forward is your choice and I think, truly, enough of us vibrating and thinking the same choice that we do not want that other thing to overtake. My family, my children, my grandchildren, no thank you. Do you really think that people want a technocracy to rule over their grandchildren, to put them into an area and a kind of virtual prison where they're only given so many calories of food per day? And if they don't agree with what's said in the media, that their score is lowered and they might only get half rations. And they have to be vaccinated with something that's going to make them sick and die early. Do you think most people really want that for their children or grandchildren or parents or grandparents? I really think the human spirit is going to wake up to this evil darkness that's here and be like, you know what? I might play along for so far up to this point, but when push comes to shove, I'm going to shove. I'm going to shove really hard and I'm going to push that thing so back against the wall and I'm going to open my heart and slam it and open so much and put that thing into where it blinds it with the light that it just dissolves into the oneness of light. That it's no longer darkness because it's so, been so inundated by the power of the light that I put out and everybody else that it's integrated in. There's no more shadow because it's been so blinded by such a bright light that there's no more possible shadow. It's integrated into the light. And that's the direction we need. You know, that's the thing. I'm thinking how these energies are moving at this point into the 21st here. You know, there's no way to fight it. You have to integrate it and blend with it and change it from within. But I think that within is our hearts and our minds to bend the reality back to the light you can't start shooting everybody. It's it's way beyond the physical. See, like lead is a physical thing. Where we're going to with the, you know, with this earth to the air and, and moving into the Aquarius, which Craig used so succinctly say the lightning bolt. That's energetic. And I think the change that's coming up, these civil disturbances and this bend in choice in reality, is the 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 energetic choice where we're going to bend. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me if. 
you know, call me crazy. But if those who choose to stay in the light, I think this reality might shift into two things. And those of us who choose the light, we're going to live on a, a dimensional shift reality planet that has moved to the light where we thought that everything shifted in our thoughts and everything shifted over. And, hey, we moved all this and that evil never took over. But the ones who chose the evil would blend into a completely different technocracy planet that would like dissolve out of our reality and dissolve out of our waking field of vision. And they would live in theirs and we would live in ours and it would be our choice. And the, the, the rift is there. What you're talking about, that rift, right, is happening now. And I really believe that this 21st solstice has something to do with that. And I, maybe there is going to be a rift in reality where I'm choosing the light and this shifting and ripping apart of dimensionality is going to, you and I, we're going to be on the planet of light, living in crypto, helping each other, communities, you know, what we maybe call a parallel economy where we're trading with each other. We don't need the money. We just need the value. And our waking reality will be that only, and everybody else on the planet will be that because we chose that. And that's the thing that split off from this other dark thing that's going to stay down over there. I don't know. I really don't. You know, there's so much going on now with energetically, and maybe you know, throw an idea at me because I would like to hear what you think about that. A great writer, a great, a great spiritual character. He lived back in the uh, like late eighteen, like eighteen eighty to. 1912 or 1920, something like that. Um, Rudolf Steiner, amazing, amazing character. And he, uh, after studying him for years, and he left us endless lectures and, and a lot of books, deep, interesting spirituality. And he spoke of this time that we're living in right now where we would move to a new earth. And he mentioned that there's been like five Earths in history, and basically they do go through an evolutionary process where they, as you mentioned, you shift, you split. There's an evolution, and just one in one moment, boom, there you are. And really, if you think about it from the quantum physics level, that's what's happening to us constantly. That we're we're, we're always, you know, we're, we're always going through dimensions. Um, so basically, we are due, according to Rudolf Steiner, for a new Earth. It will just be a shift, and it's instant, and there we are. And he did mention at this time, we'd have Aramon here, which is like basically he is a, a, a demon. He's like, like an incarnation. Uh, this time around, he's he's here, and he, he is the technocracy, basically. It's quite interesting. There was a Radiant Creator show that we did, and we talked to Dale, who's he's he's a uh, runs the Rudolf Steiner archive, and he got into. We talked deep. We kind of deep dived into a lot of uh, Steiner's philosophy and his vision for what was going to happen. So, supposedly, we, we've had five Earths at least in the past, and they evolved suddenly into a new Earth. And so, I think something that we can do, following that school of thought, um, is. In the next two weeks, since we have this age changing, since we have this shift happening, and so anybody who's not feeling the, the, the energy right now, I don't know. I am feeling it all the time. You can feel the energy of this time, the energy of this transit of ages. There's so much going on. So many cycles are, are, are overlapping right now. For the next two weeks, just and basically— Craig, can I stop you for a second, just a quickie? Yeah, yeah. All right, so anybody who's ever done magic mushrooms, you know when you're just starting to come on and you get those tingles around in your body? 
like if you're feeling that in your heart or up and down your spine, that's kind of the energy that, that that's going through right now. Where you just start suddenly feeling like a lightness in your heart and you, in the chest area, and you feel like that tingly, or up and down the spine or in the top of that, right where the the, the spine connects to your your brain, right there. there there's a, a lighterness going through right now. If you really notice it, you'll start to feel tingles, or you can start to feel the energy moving up your spine, or in the heart and around the chest area, at least, yeah, you know, maybe that's what I'm trying to, yeah, keep going. Yeah, it's either it's either exactly that or you actually have done mushrooms. Either way, you're getting there. Um, and uh, I would say a great exercise the next two weeks is be the parallel society. Just be it. You know, something I've recently started doing is, um, because yes, like we can think about the election, like I was talking about, about, you know, kind of the next civil war and hoping that it's just basically one of consciousness, maybe just legalities, et cetera. Um, but that's, you're right. That, that is all 3d. Like when we think about that, um, we are entering a new age and it's funny how so many people are hoping that we can go back to 2019. You know, if you think about, uh, Trump's uh, statement of, you know, make, make America great again. Well, there is no, again, we're changing ages. And so, you know, we're not going to get, um, 2019 back. So since that's impossible because we're changing ages, it can be a little scary because we don't know where we're going, you know, but if you can have that courage just to hold tight and know that you can't see the next move, but you can see the next move that you need to make, um, the next two weeks, make them powerful, like crazy, you know, just do it as, as just an experiment. It's it's not going to take very long. You know, we're going to be there pretty darn soon. Um, be happy, be positive. Um, you know, buy your Bitcoin, sprout something, uh, work on buying land, whatever it is, like whatever you're doing that is, I'm going to call it new earth. I'll use, you know, Rudolf Steiner's terminology. So we've had, we've gone through five earths in our evolutionary process where basically the earth reboots and becomes a new, um, as part of an evolutionary leap. And so we're about to do that again. We literally have evil incarnate on the planet right now. That's Aramon. Um, check out that podcast where we talk about it. We deep dive into what that is. And it's time. So what do you think of that? Just next two weeks. I mean, I suggest do Wim Hof breathing. You know, it's really, 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 really beneficial. Take your cold showers. Like, Whatever your passion is, and if you're listening to this, I know you've got it. It's probably just the life that you live. Live your life. Live the moment. Like Eckhart Tolle says, you know, be in the now. Really hit it hard. Be your best. Live your blissed out life the next two weeks. Be that parallel society. Be living in it. Refuse to look at all the news, all the nonsense. Unplug from the world, the 3D world that we've been living in. Plug into the new earth the new parallel society, the new parallel economy, live there. Just insist on it, you know. Um, and I think when we actually click over into that age as we as we are transiting into it, I think if you hit that moment in the parallel society, you're going to wake up on the new earth. Like literally, it's just going to be, oh, wow, everything worked out. You know, I don't know what it's like when we actually go from when we actually go through an evolutionary leap and we disintegrate the earth and rebuild it in a second, you know, but according to Steiner, it's happened and I've studied him enough to think that I think he's right and I think we can feel it. So reality is pliable. You know, you're going to get the new earth that you envision. 
um, whether that's like a, a technocratic hell <laughs> or whether that's something really beautiful. So I think that's a great exercise. You know, we have a very short time frame. Live life. Get in that parallel society. I mean, just explode your soul. I mean, put your passion into it. See it. Feel it. Be there. Live in it. Because I really think if you do that, by the time we hit, it's the 21st, right? You're, you're going to already be living there. You, you know, that, that's my take on what we can do about it. That's how you fight it, I think, really. You know, there's worldly 3D things that may or may not happen that we can be involved in. But I think the most important battle right now is to be in it. Pour your soul's energy into the uh, parallel society of the new earth and just witness. And I mean, let's face it, your life's going to be so rocking before the 21st. You're, you're just going to cruise right past that day. Life's going to be so good. You won't even remember that there was a, that there was a switch of ages. You know what I mean? It's just that's my take on it. What do you think of that? Well, I think having a campfire looking out at Jupiter and Saturn getting closer every single night that I have a campfire with my feet into the soil in my fields, walking the forest and trying to decompress into this time through the change and using the mind also because the things we manifest and we envision in our mind of being the number one source for grand solar minimum information on this planet inside the changes of Sahel and North Africa and how these are blending in, you know, what can you create for your own reality and what can you set up for yourself on top of, you know, the knowledge that you want to share with people? Do you think that all of these ancient societies that left us all of this incredible, I should say artistic representation of the heavens Perhaps that was somebody's highest calling at that time, and they took it to this point where now we look back in awe at what they created with seemingly unexplainable workmanship and toolmanship and things that were literally impossible 100 or 200,000, 400,000 years ago that are equivalent to what we have today. And you look at that and you say, well, that was somebody's thought that went into giving us these messages for the future. What are their people capable of or what are we capable of in terms of change of manifesting the reality that you want on the planet for the better change of all of us? Not about the, the, the selfishness that's been ingrained into us through the indoctrination of our education systems of get what you can, run over everybody else, claw over their backs, pillage everything and make sure you get enough for you and yourself and look down at the top of the pyramid on everybody. That's not it. The light. And so we've been here with Craig Simpson from Radiant Creator. Check out a podcast. So many amazing artists and uh, visionaries over there to put rough minds together with. Let me know Thank you for listening well, to the Conversations Podcast, Radio. Revolution Radio Studio A.